The following presentation is brought to you by The Realm Network, The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, Feb 19, 2019, and this is The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Hello, Bob. Oh, hi. Hello. You said hello. I didn't say hello to you. How rude of me. All right, coming up on today's show, it's my pal, my radio pal, Buzz Burbank from Buzz Burbank News and Comment. He's here today. Trump is getting closer and closer to arresting his political enemies. We'll talk about those tweets here in just a second. Uh, Roger Stone, I love this story. Roger Stone might be going to jail on Thursday. Well, we've got our fingers crossed. We don't know for sure yet, but Amy Berman Jackson is really, really pissed at his Instagram post. We'll, we'll talk about that here in a few seconds with Buzz. And Bernie Sanders has announced his campaign for president. That's all I'm saying for now. <laughs> We're, I'll have some more to say during the body of the show. But for now, he's running. Uh, here's what I ordered through Amazon.com the other day. I bought two packs, two packs of Fruit of the Loom boxer briefs. Hello. I actually bought one of those old-timey on-air lights for right outside my office for when we're recording the show. I got a new graphics card for my computer, and I bought Queen's News of the World album on vinyl because the album cover scares the piss out of me. Amazon, of course, has everything, and so can you when you go shopping through our Amazon link at bobseska.com. Just click the all-caps link just beneath the logo, and you're all set. Using our link will take you to the front page of Amazon where you shop as normal, but because you used our link, we receive a small commission on some of your purchases. Thanks for shopping through our Amazon link, and now, let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Uh, we have sort of a problem here. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS reports. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. I, I forgot. Mmm. Yeah. You see, we're putting the cover sheets on all TPS reports now before they go out. Did you see the memo about this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have the memo right here. I just uh, forgot. But uh, it's not shipping out till tomorrow, so there's no problem. Yeah. If you could just go ahead and make sure you do that from now on, that would be great. And, uh... I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. Okay? Yeah, no, I, I, I have the memo. I've got it. It's right. Milton. Hi. Uh, could you turn that down just a little bit? But I, I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume from 9 to 11. Yeah, no, no, I, I know you're allowed to. I, uh, I was just thinking maybe like a, you know, personal favor. Well, I, 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 I told Bill that if, if Sandra's going to listen to her headphones, while she's, while she's falling, then I should be able to listen to the radio while I'm collating. Uh-huh. So I don't see why okay. I should have to turn down the radio because yeah, all right. okay. I enjoy listening at a reasonable volume. Bob Seska. Today's Rachel Maddow Show Award for Headline Excellence goes to Bob Seska. The Bob Seska Show. Yeah, uh, National Treasures, Stephen Root and Gary Cole. Office space turns 20 years old today. Yeah. Oh, hey, while we're applauding, uh, it's TV's uh, Buzz Burbank right over there. Hey, Buzz. Hi, 
Hi, Bob. Hi, everybody. Uh, say, but I want to say, yeah, I love Stephen Root, especially. I mean, I think that guy's amazing. He, he can do anything. Yes, he can. But uh, I, I just noticed coming in, the, the light from your new on-air sign is very flattering to your new underwear. It's just something I noticed on my way in. That's what I'm told. Everyone says that. Everyone oh, stops man. by and says, wow, it's great, great lighting on your underpants. I, I know. You get too busy to get dressed. I know I know how busy you are. I've been I've been crazy busy uh, uh, managing Roger Stone's Instagram account. Uh, yep. And and trying to figure out how to spend this year's tax refund. <laughs> That's right. Boy, I love that news, huh? All these uh, <laughs> all these red hats yeah. finally discovering that that tax cut bill that they signed uh, more than a year ago is a big fraud like everything else, right? And as we predicted a couple of years ago, this was inevitable. You know, that at some point it was going to dawn upon uh, Trump supporters that they're getting screwed. Yeah. That they, and you've talked about this repeatedly on a number of different issues, mm-hmm. uh, Trump's policies are having the most devastating effect on his own supporters. And now they're starting to feel that. And that's that's just part of it. You know, there's, yeah. there's more. And I hope we get into that at some point as well. You know what they have to do? They have to burn themselves on the hot stove at least once to discover. Oh, more. No, no, no. Several times, clearly. <laughs> several times. Okay, conceded. Yeah. I concede that point. Yeah, yeah, several times. They have to burn themselves on the hot stove several times in order to finally get it, to finally understand that they have been duped by a professional con artist. And that's the well, fact. Well, you know, I mean, I, I think a lot of them knew he was a con artist to begin with. They just thought he was better at it. Yeah, I really, I really, I really think that's a, a yeah. lot of it. I And and they certainly have uh, hidden behind him or, or ridden on his coattails. Uh, and by the way, I have a new show business goal. I want to get the kind of I want to get the kind of applause Mike Pence gets when he mentions Trump's name. That's <laughs> how you know. Yeah, exactly. That's right. how you know you're winning. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was another nice moment. You know, there there are little tidbits of things that we can actually enjoy here in this crisis. And uh, oh, but, you have to. Yeah, there yeah. are, and, and there and many of them are very real. Some are just uh, bizarrely amusing. And and some are genuinely encouraging, yep. but they're there, and you have to embrace every single one of them. Uh, how else are we supposed to get through this? Well, it is the Trump crisis day 761, 623 days until the 2020 presidential election. Uh-huh. And, uh, and of course, Trump is uh, getting closer and closer to going the full Erdogan, which is a mouthful, but there it is, the full Erdogan. And, and this goes back, of course, to the National Emergency Declaration on Friday, which right. I, I think as we talk about the wall and whether wall will actually get built, which it probably won't, the fact right. is, is that that this uh, national emergency declaration is a massive expansion of Donald Trump's executive authority. By declaring a national emergency, he is now awarding himself with all new powers that he can exploit. Now, right on the heels of, if, if it was just that, maybe in a vacuum, we could say, well, maybe he won't use those powers. We'd, of uh-huh. course, be lying to ourselves. But, you know, you could say, you could make an argument that, well, he's going to focus those powers on just making sure he gets wall. Right. Uh, for, for good, not for evil. Exactly right. But then you then you observe the things that he was saying over the weekend. This, and you're right. I just want to interject here. You're, you're on to it. It was the succession of things. It wasn't just the declaration of the emergency. Mm-hmm. And that seemed to be the beginning of a cascade. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and by the way, during that declaration of a national emergency, we got this little tidbit. Trump saying, Trump is crazy. 
<laughs> which I love so much. Trump actually admitting that, you know. Trump is crazy. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Trump, for admitting. Trump is oh, crazy. That's wonderful. There's a, that could go into a hip-hop song so nicely. It <laughs> really, know. really could. Yes, and of course, I have the sound file. If, anyone, if any hip-hop recording artists need a copy of that, I can provide it for you. Um, and, oh, by the way, we have another clip later on in the show where Trump couldn't pronounce Venezuela during a speech about, you oh, know, I, Venezuela. I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that yet. I can't <laughs> yeah, wait yeah. to hear it. But 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 please continue with your your point about the succession, this yes. cascade of things that happened. First, it was the emergency declaration, and then... National emergency, and then mm-hmm. on Sunday, he said... Nothing funny about tired Saturday Night Live on fake news NBC. (laughs) Question is, how do the networks get away with these total Republican hit jobs without retribution? Likewise for many shows. Trump is crazy. (laughs) Very unfair and should be looked into. This is the real collusion. And and setting aside the fact that it's more Donald Trump whining, we, we now have Donald Trump on record again discussing retribution for people who are mean to him yes for for pe- yes. for comedians in this case who are That's mean right. to donald the trump f- funny mean which is the worst kind <laughs> yeah absolutely and, and so something like this I, you know and i'm glad we didn't do a show on Sunday, because I'd have been a lot more fired up about this, because I was thinking, you know, fuck you, Mr. President. Fuck you! You know, you come for the comedians, and that's where I draw the line. Um, Because, look, we're talking about satire, which is a protected speech under the U.S. Constitution, according to Hustler Magazine versus versus Falwell, I think that was the uh, Supreme Court case, in which the Supreme Court established that satire is protected speech. I think Two Live Crew also got a uh, favorable uh, uh, judgment by the Supreme Court along those lines. And uh, speaking of hip hop recording artists, and uh, and and so you know, s- suggesting from the perspective of having all of this expanded executive authority as president of the United States, Donald Trump is now threatening retribution against comedians. One, okay. Then we move along to the next thing, in which Donald Trump quotes Rush Limbaugh by saying, "These guys, the investigators of the Department of Justice." ought to be in jail. What they have done working with the Obama intelligence agencies is simply unprecedented. This is one of the greatest political hoaxes ever perpetrated on the people of this country, and Mueller is a cover-up. And then he credits Rush Limbaugh for that. God damn it! All right, so now we're talking about not only retribution against comedians, but now we're talking about throwing his investigators into jail. Then, as if that wasn't bad enough, Buzz, he said, this was an illegal coup. Okay, so now he's quoting uh, uh, preening coward Dan Bongino, formerly of the NRA TV. He said here, this was an illegal coup against the president of the United States. So now we've got the president not only talking about retribution against comedians, not only talking about uh, jailing his investigators, but now he's defining a perfectly legal conversation about whether enough cabinet members would vote to support a 20 invoking of the 25th amendment as an illegal coup against the president. Then as if all that wasn't bad enough, still more. Uh, the biggest abuse of power, he said here, uh, this is today. Or no, actually, this is last night, which uh, Trump quoted Sean Hannity. The biggest abuse of power and corruption scandal on our history, and it's much worse than we thought. Andrew McCabe admitted to plotting a coup, and then in parentheses, government overthrow, when he was serving in the FBI before he was fired for lying and leaking. And then Trump credits Sean Hannity, Fox News, and then he shouts, Treason! With an exclamation mark there. 
a couple of footnotes to that that I'd like okay. to add. Uh, you know, you know the uh, Limbaugh quote uh, about uh, jailing his his adversaries, about yes. jailing his his investigative adversaries. Yep. Uh, and you noticed also how could you not in that bizarre Rose Garden speech, mm-hmm. uh, his praise of Limbaugh and Hannity, who he would quote in that final tweet that you mentioned there. Yep. And in between those, of course, was the attack on SNL. Uh, the uh, uh, the question of should there be retribution? I read a, a great article once that uh, Donald Trump, if he were a king, would never say to his people, "Shall we stone this woman?" Mm-hmm. Or he, he would he would say to, he would never say we should stone this woman. What he would say to them is, "Shall we stone this woman?" Yeah. So he would he would let them make that decision. And and in some ways, this is and this is the dangerous part. I don't think Trump was threatening retribution directly. But he was certainly uh, giving permission for it. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, and, he, he's softening and, the ground, laying the seeds for right, a, a possible move later. Exactly. And, exactly. and that's the a couple of things I would say about this. And I do understand uh, very, very clearly the implications of this, mm-hmm. uh, and and how dangerous it it can be. And certainly in this kind of succession, I will say I think to some degree Trump was feeling his oats. Yep. In those uh, couple of days following that, I think, I think maybe he felt like a younger man again for a few, <laughs> for a few days, if you if you know what I mean. And I and okay. so yeah. I, uh, I you know I think he was just uh, I think he was acting. You know how he gets, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Uh, but and 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 that's and that's what you're seeing here. And the other thing I would stress uh, again, not to negate the importance of anything we've discussed so far. I would stress that he ain't going to get away with this. Uh, uh, you this know, in fact, in fact, I expect a ruling very soon. The state, the, the multi-state lawsuit, the 16 states uh, suing uh, mm-hmm. Trump over this emergency order have asked for immediate relief. They want an injunction right away. And I think based on the wonderful, wonderful case that they have, half of it thanks to Trump, uh, they will get that stay, and nothing will happen. And then, and then the court battles begin with the landowners and all the other things. So, well, and, you didn't you the, didn't say all that know. in a sing songy voice, Buzz. You're supposed to say it in a sarcastic <laughs> yeah. sing songy voice. I, I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I I forgot that part. Trump is but crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. That's why I didn't. I hope. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's obvious right now that uh, what Trump is merely doing is telling his people, okay, this is something I'm really thinking about. And if I, Absolutely. Get, if I get your full-throated backing to start taking actions along these lines, if I believe that this is going to help my re-election chances in 2020, uh-huh. yes, yes. Uh, then, then I will absolutely take action. Because what he's getting out of all of this are two things. One, he continues to secure his base by pandering to the bigots and the rubes, right? This is the whole thing. Won't help him, but okay. Right, right. with a national emergency. And then this expansion of power will allow him to wiggle out of legal jeopardy if he uses the emergency declaration to maybe start arresting Justice Department officials who are investigating him. We've seen him threaten these sorts of things before. We've never seen him use the word coup, though. But some of these other things, like he's threatened Saturday Night Live before, 
before. That's happened. Right. I, I, I at least recall one other occasion in which he did that. So all of these things are not only securing his base, but helping him get reelected. And, you know, he's, and, of course, judging it wrong, and he's making things worse for himself like he always does. But, right, right. you know, I'm really at this place, Buzz, where I'm, I'm seeing these things go down, and I, I constantly feel like, and I'm not alone on this, it constantly feels like we're leaning too far back in our chairs, and we're about to fall over, and you get that quick rush of adrenaline and that falling feeling, and you catch yourself, and it's, I, that, and yeah, it's that unsettling, think, awkward feeling. You know what I you mean? Know, you know there are medications for that. Uh, yeah, I'm told. Uh, I, I, no, I, 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 you know, I, I, don't, I do not dismiss Trump's admiration of dictators yeah. and the uh, frightening potential that exists here, but I, I, I don't see it happening, and I don't say that as somebody who said, oh, I, I don't think we have anything to worry about. I think that for every move he attempts to make, uh, there is a move in place to, to counter it. Uh, another fine article today by Jennifer Rubin in the Washington Post uh, saying uh, that uh, the American system of justice, for example, is working as, uh, as uh, like white blood cells at this point. Yeah. Uh, that it's attacking this infection mm-hmm. from many, many different directions. Yeah. And uh, like I said, th- these lawsuits can put a stop to this thing very quickly, and it will never go forward. There's, mm-hmm. there will, there will be no wall. There will be, unless some nut does something again, there'll be no retribution against Saturday Night Live. None of this will happen. It's yeah. what he wishes. He, it's him talking out loud, thinking out loud, which is what he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is him thinking out loud, and that's what he does. And there are frightening thoughts. And if anything, they are evidence again. And I, this, I'm going to say this every week on the show. Evidence. It's time for him to be immediately removed from office. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's I, I. And and we and God, do we have the evidence or not? I mean, I, clearly we do. I just and and I know it's got to be sewn up right. And I know we're watching it unfold every couple of days. Now we get news from the Mueller investigation mm-hmm. that we are closer to putting a stop to this madness. And and uh, if if the the key to to solving this crisis of, of the national emergency is to get rid of the guy who who brought it. In fact, uh, you look at a, a lot of our problems now would be at the minimum easier to handle mm-hmm. without this guy. Well, I, I as I see this stuff come down though, I I god, I'm in this place right now where I'm like, you know, you know what Biff Either take your shot or shut the fuck up already, because, you know, it's just like mm-hmm. a lot of this, like tempting. I'm going to do this. I'm so tempted to do this. I'm going to do this. You better watch out. Here it comes. And then he never does anything because I think he's part. I, I think he's a, he's partly afraid of it. He's partly afraid of what the ramifications will be. Um, so I think he's what he's looking. He's desperate to find some kind of positive support for actions that he's going to take. And I think what he's also doing or I should say what he's also capable of is ignoring the courts, which he's got precedent for. I mean, Abraham Lincoln ignored the Supreme Court. Andrew Jackson, Donald Trump's political hero, ignored the Supreme Court. This is something that is perfectly within keeping for a president of the United States who believes that he's in the midst of a national emergency and indeed an invasion of the United States, which, of course, in in the Constitution, uh, an invasion prescribes a certain number of things. If if there is an invasion, then the president (laughs) gets all of these additional 
authorities, right? He can uh, right. suspend habeas corpus. He can uh, suspend posse comitatus. He can do all kinds of, well, posse comitatus isn't in the Constitution, but there are laws along those lines. So, mm. I mean, I'm wondering if that's still in his arsenal. I wonder if that's still a, a, a something that he's capable of doing, because while we find all of these things constitutionally and ethically abhorrent, we find the, all these things dangerous and awful, um, the question then remains, how far will he go? And that's that's really, to me, as much as we'd like to say, uh, you know what, he's a coward and he doesn't really want to put himself in further jeopardy. I think that he is indeed, uh, to some extent, still capable of of doing things a lot worse than what he's done so far. Um, and, and I hope I'm wrong. Again, this is the, the caveat that I present every time I mention these things and try to forecast what Donald Trump's going to do. I really hope I'm wrong. I, I hope I'm proven incorrect about all these things. But I do think that there is at least cause for concern at this point. Of course. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. but Christ. Yeah, absolutely cause for concern. <laughs> yeah. I mean, absolutely cause for concern, of course. Uh, in the military, the, the yeah. chain of command uh, rules everything up to a point. Mm-hmm. And yep. and uh, there comes that point. There are certain orders you do not have to obey. Mm-hmm. There are certain orders that uh, clearly, and and we've had instances of generals and and other people saying uh, guys don't do anything without checking with. Them. We've had a, a defense secretary Jim Mattis uh, told the generals of the Pentagon. Guys, don't do anything without, don't even, if he tells you to put on a pot of coffee, I believe were his words. He said, if he tells you to put on a pot of coffee, don't do it without checking with me first. Because he he knew that Trump was nuts and he he wanted a filter between that. There's a point at which, and and of course, uh, many people, most people in the Justice Department, perhaps a vast majority of those still in the Justice Department, there are certain things they will or won't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then, of course, you have a Congress, a, a Democratic Congress now that's uh, quite on top of things. Uh, you have uh, the, the, the Southern District of New York investigations that, uh, that in, in which Trump cannot claim executive privilege. There, he's facing so many roadblocks. He is more restricted than... You fear, I think, yeah. uh, in terms of what he can do. Again, I do not dismiss the potential. I do not dismiss his admiration for dictators and and an apparent desire to emulate them. I I, I see that, and it's scary. And and we got to keep our eye on it. And believe me, people are from so many directions. White blood cells are attacking this from <laughs> multiple, multiple directions yeah. throughout yeah. the body. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the scary thing about all of it is that these decisions are really ultimately up to his discretion. I mean, there are certain things that he can be blocked from doing. And, and yeah. And, 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 and unless unless the uh, or, or the executive order, uh, the uh, emergency declaration is immediately frozen by the courts. Yeah. And then and then he can't do Jack. And it, we could be within days of that happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, what I'm talking about here is specifically the idea that. Well, and again, I'm borrowing trouble. I understand that I'm borrowing trouble. But the fact is that having observed this guy for long enough, 
enough. I think mm-hmm. we all know that Donald Trump will lash out if he feels like he is painted into a corner. And I, my fear is that one of those things that that he's going to do is he's going to uh, you know have someone read a page from his history book about Andrew Jackson defying the Supreme Court or Abraham Lincoln defying the Supreme Court. Well, oh, okay, so I guess I can defy the Supreme Court. And then it'll be easy for Kellyanne Conway to go on Fox News Channel and explain uh, all the precedent for defying the the courts, defying Article Three, um, and and it's especially when he's drawn up this bogus pretext of an invasion. So that's the fear right now. And again, this could be completely unfounded, but I think it's worthy of discussion, mainly only just to, so that we keep our eyes open. I think wa- yeah. going into oh, abs- all of this, absolutely, absolutely. I just I sometimes worry. I'm I'm I'm, I'm personally sincere about this. <laughs> okay. I sometimes worry about you worrying too much, and and. And you're, of course, you're doing the right thing, and I'm trying to do the same, and that's keep an eye on this, and a yeah. lot of other people are too in journalism, and yeah. uh, and of course among prosecutors. Well, it, it does. I, I mean, you know, yeah. well, I'd be lying if I said it didn't take a toll. I mean, I, I do think that the constant uh, uh, low frequency stress that we're all experiencing is to some degree having a negative effect on our uh, emotional well-being or our psychological well-being. And that's something that I think we're all experiencing to a certain extent. I, I think it's just, you know, again, we, we it's up to our own prerogative as to whether or not we uh, find things to ameliorate some of that stress. And I, I desperately try to, try to do that, <laughs> including turning it all off. I mean, yeah, I really try to move. walk away deep, after... Deep uh, breaths, yeah. deep breaths. And, and, and seriously, I mean, step outside i've said this i think in one of my earlier appearances on the show (laughs) step outside get some fresh air look at the sun well where applicable it may be nicer here than where (laughs) you are uh but but at every opportunity enjoy nature or a sunshine or an interestingly shaped cloud or uh, a tree or a dog or a cat or whatever makes you happy Mm -hmm. Uh, find some zen in that and 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 as horrible as this is uh and we certainly know that on an intellectual level don't let it rip you out. It's like don't hang around. It's like that is sort of don't hang around with negative people because they'll just bring you down. Oh yeah. Uh, you got to watch it. We all have to watch out for mm. uh, that happening to us with this. I am uh, as terrified as you are about these things, but being a Libra, I am I am equally <laughs> optimistic about uh, putting a stop to it. Mm. And uh, like I said, every couple of days we learn exciting, dramatic. Uh, quickly advancing developments in uh, the Mueller case, you have the Southern District of New York, which doesn't have to pay attention to executive privilege, which continue long after, can continue long after the Mueller investigation. It already has all the evidence uh, that Mueller has because they have shared consistently what, what they know about all of those cases. And unlike the special counsel, uh, the Southern District of New York doesn't necessarily feel restrained from indicting a sitting president why is uh sdny uh not subject to executive privilege there while there while there is that policy while that is a stipulation in the establishment of the special counsel's office it's not a rule that affects the u.s attorney's office in the southern district of new york uh, directly there's no there's been no rule about that interesting and although it's never been done before Sources are telling reliable newspapers that 
they're not ruling out that possibility. I see. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought that up anyway with SDNY because we've got uh, dueling stories here that eventually come down to uh, what's happening in the uh, investigation by the uh, U.S. attorney in SDNY. Uh, yeah. The first one is that Rosenstein is leaving the DOJ in mid-March, which mm-hmm. made me immediately flash to, oh, well, he's going to make Matt Whitaker the deputy then. He's going to make Matt <laughs> Whitaker the permanent deputy AG. That's going to be the replacement. And I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if that's what he wouldn't have it did. And I mean, yeah, interested to see. It's, it's, yeah, and especially after this New York Times story today about SDNY and Trump's behavior regarding that. And as we all know, SDNY is, is an even more brutal possibility for Donald Trump than the oh, Mueller investigation. More, because, because it's kind of blindsided him. It's kind of done the uh, the Velociraptor clever girl thing uh, and, from Jurassic and not, Park. You know not, what I mean? Not, yeah, and not just that, but it has jurisdiction where Mueller doesn't. It, it has jurisdiction over over Trump's businesses and his campaign. And it's yep. already investigating both. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like way deep into it. So far right. so far beyond just Trump's ability to be able to undermine it with a bunch of tweets now. So he doesn't even bother. It's really fascinating. He doesn't bother, doesn't bother oh. with SDNY, doesn't bother he, with Rachel Maddow, doesn't bother with Tony Atamanek. He just completely ignores those three entities because, for a very... Because- for a very good reason, right? Yeah, he's afraid of them. He's terrified yeah. of them. He he wouldn't dare mess with. He wouldn't. He wouldn't pull a Roger Stone. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't. Yeah. He wouldn't. He wouldn't piss off uh, SDNY uh, as as Roger Stone as his judge. Well, here's a story from uh, New York Times today about SDNY. Apparently, Trump asked Matt Whitaker if Trump could appoint a loyalist to oversee investigations being conducted by the U.S. Attorney's Office and SDNY. So that's, at least from the wording, I get the sense that it's uh, Trump asking Matt Whitaker either if Whitaker could do it or if Trump himself could uh, appoint a loyalist to interfere with the SDNY investigation or to at least get Jeffrey Berman who's a Trump appointee who took over. Remember, he was appointed in place of Preet Bharara uh, after Preet Bharara was fired. And so Jeffrey Berman, however, um, as Matt Whitaker informed Trump of, Jeffrey Berman has recused himself. So it's impossible to reinstall Jeffrey Berman unless Jeffrey Berman unrecuses himself. It's impossible to get Berman back onto the SDNY investigation. But the the obvious takeaway in all of this is that, yeah, Donald Trump was trying to interfere in SDNY using Matt Whitaker as a pawn uh, to do it, and sure, so, we knew that. Yeah, we knew that when he chose Whitaker. We we've known that all along. Yeah, yeah, yeah but uh, I mean, qu- essentially, yes. Yeah. Well, the, the question now is: Does this constitute obstruction of justice in the SDNY okay. investigation? Uh, <laughs> no, no, I attempt attempted. Attempted, okay. yes. Attempted, Actual yeah. obstruction, no. Okay. But uh, attempted obstruction attempted. of justice, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, this is all new to me. I was just starting to read this article as we went on the air. So oh yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not quite up to speed on it. It's brand new. The revelation that Whitaker was asked by Trump whether he could install Berman to oversee the SDNY probe seemed to conflict with testimony he gave to Congress earlier this month. <laughs> oh, sure. Of course it did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they're going to call him back up and uh, have at least. Didn't they send a letter? Didn't uh, the uh, Judiciary Committee send a letter to Matt Whitaker about? Uh, you know what? No one uh, on either side yes. believes your bullshit. <laughs> right. It was a letter along yeah. those lines sent to Whitaker. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they made it clear to him and very, very nicely worded. I mean, I, I should, you know, we could all learn from how that that letter was written yeah. because it basically said to him in a very, very nice way, we think you're lying. Come back and explain that. <laughs> I, just, I love that. I yeah. love it. And, and every time I hear a story like that, 
I immediately flash to the midterms and go, thank God. Thank yeah. God the oh, midterms yeah. turned out the way we they did. See, oh, can you imagine if they hadn't? Oh, God, we, none no. of this none of this would be happening. Uh, I would not nearly be as optimistic as I am. And this is what I'm talking about. You have the House committees to some degree, you're gonna you're gonna get some some help in in, in some Senate committees, not all of them, of course. There's Lindsay is uh, calling up, uh, you know, uh, McCabe, and yeah, there it is. There's, there's his music. Okay, yeah, he's good. yeah. Lindsay, what the fuck is wrong with Lindsey Graham? Well, he got the he got the vapors when uh, when he when he heard that they actually actually discussed among many possibilities invoking the Twenty Fifth Amendment. Oh my God! Yeah, I, this, I love this uh, new line too that the Twenty Fifth Amendment is unconstitutional, even though it's in the Constitution. <laughs> try, try a little harder, yeah. guys. Seriously, yeah. I mean, you're making a case for something that's in the Constitution being unconstitutional. Think Would we be bit. willing? Is the what about the second? Is that what about the Second Amendment? The Second is that, Amendment that's is right. that in the Constitution? If the Twenty Fifth isn't, well, see, they like selectively editing the Constitution, sure, like uh, eliminating sure. that part about a well-regulated militia out of the Second Amendment. Oh, that doesn't exist. What are you talking about? That doesn't. That's not there. It has nothing to do with a militia. Oh, really? Really? Did you read the first that's, goddamn clause of a sentence. That's, that's just old-timey speak. <laughs> exactly right. All right, well, let's uh, talk about Patreon here for a second. You might not know this, but if, you, if you've only listened to the free Tuesday and Thursday shows, you're missing one of the most exciting 90 minutes of the week. That's right. It's our after-party show with me and Kimberly Johnson every Friday. We basically describe the after-party as sex, drugs, rock and roll, and politics. So go now to bobseskashow.com. It's just that easy. You don't have to know how to spell Patreon anymore. Just go to bobseskashow.com and sign up to support our independent podcast for just 10 bucks a month and get the after-party for that amount of money. Not only do you get lots of the aforementioned sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but you also get the post-mortem shows, too, as well as access to our community blog where you can post your own articles. We call it The Tab. So you can go to the tab and post your own things. If 10 bucks a month is too much for your budget, of course, no problem. We'll still love you if you just pitch in for $1 a month. You'll, of course, be supporting the show. Plus, you'll gain access to one of the fastest growing communities of listeners, our exclusive Patreon club. Plus, of course, your access to the tab where you can vent about uh, Trump, the Trump crisis or whatever the hell else is on your mind. So go right now to bobseskashow.com and subscribe. Again, that is Bob seskashow.com thanks to you in advance the Bob Seska Show. the Bob Seska Show presented by bubblegenius.com it's our Tuesday show thank you for joining us today Buzz Burbank is here from Buzz Burbank News and Comment Buzz- I don't know what I was just going to say, I was just talking to a guy, and all of a sudden, he started doing a commercial. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's see. I like to throw you off. Yeah. Oh, man. By the way, this is Queen. I just saw saw Bohemian Rhapsody over the weekend. Boy, I love that movie. Isn't that great? Yeah, yeah. I I mean, of course, the storytelling, like any music biopic, the storytelling was pretty... Uh, formulaic, as they say. Followed the standard structure for a musical biopic, but boy, the performances and that, oh yeah, and that the re- replication, the replication of the group. I, yeah. I it, of the I'm, as a member of the Screen Actors Guild and and the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, I uh, I get to vote in uh, the SAG Awards every year, and yeah. 
uh, we don't have a best picture category. We have a best cast ensemble performance. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, I guess, the equivalent of best picture. And I had it down to two. And it was either Bohemian Rhapsody, which I thought was certainly one of the best, if not yeah. the best. Yep. And, and then the other was uh, Spike Lee's Black Klansman, which I thought was an absolutely amazing movie. It was one of those things that you... You feel like a better person having seen it. Yeah. It's 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 really uh, gratifying, and, and that to me that's an important thing for measuring movies is how gratifying was the experience. And, oh yeah, and I thought that was both of them were extremely so. I had to just because it was acting awards. Uh, I, I gave it by a hair to Black Klansman. Oh, there you go. Well, you know, and, and that, that may be, I haven't seen that movie yet, but I mean, as far oh, as... Uh, you must. You must. You love the music. Uh, again, it's another another a great soundtrack. Yeah, well, it's definitely on my list, but boy, that Bohemian Rhapsody, the, the as you were saying, the ensemble performance of the guys playing the members of Queen, especially uh-huh. uh, Rami Malek playing uh, Freddie Mercury. I mean, just that portrayal oh, no. of Freddie Mercury. I just, I wanted to find Freddie Mercury wherever he is. After I finished watching the movie, I just wanted to find Freddie Mercury and just give him a hug. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. well, why did yeah. you go? Why did you leave us? Come back. Well, that's, sort of, that's sort of the point of the movie, I yeah. think, you yeah. know, and, and sort of the point of of his real life story yeah, uh, yeah. but uh, yeah though no, the music lives on and and uh, it'll be, it should be a great performance of that in uh, what, what will turn out to be a very long oscar telecast after all yeah uh, well i was glad to see uh, queen is actually performing uh yes, on the oscars yeah, which is yeah. gonna be great and then the the recreation of the live aid performance uh wow. at the end of the movie this is the culmination yeah. of the film spoilers and uh it was just so breathtaking and and yeah. so inspiring yeah. to to look at and so and, well done i mean like i said everybody looked their part and yep. uh, everything looked so real uh, that was tremendous. Okay, well, back to things that make us puke. So, uh, Roger Stone. <laughs> if you insist. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Oh, so we're going straight for the nausea then. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm going to call an audible here. We're going to leave Roger what? Stone for just after, oh. for just another second here because okay. i got to play this for you. This is Donald Trump right. yesterday uh, uh-huh. was speaking in Miami about uh, the crisis in Venezuela. Yes. And so can't wait. here's a little bit of a tip for uh, the president of the United States. If, uh-huh. if you're going to deliver a speech about a particular place in the world, maybe learn how to pronounce that place in the world first before you try it in front of an audience. I'm just saying, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a president or anything like that, but I think from experience, I've observed this where presidents actually, you know, they try to make an effort to at least correctly pronounce the place that they're actually talking about. Here was Donald Trump. And, and I don't know if this was Donald Trump um, mispronouncing it or Donald Trump in one of his, I don't know what you would call it, Adderall, you know. Slurry mode. Slurry. Yeah, he, he slurred and sniffed a lot during the Rose Garden speech. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, there's something going on there, but we'll get back to that. But right. In the meantime, I can't wait to hear this tape. But Oscar was gunned down and killed by Venezuela, so you know this very well. You all know the story. <laughs> okay, okay. That was the first yeah. one. He said something like, something goes wrong with his voice. Where Venezuela, Wela, something, uh, yeah, it kind of goes like that. That's like really, like yes, a yes, like, yeah. like, almost like he's doing like a uh, Marlon Brando impression, like a bad Marlon he, Brando. <laughs> he was drowning, and you know, you have you ever you've got like too much saliva, and you're like, oh, you started to drown yourself. <laughs> 
he was thinking he was thinking about hamburgers and uh, and and was drowning. But yeah, no, he he just uh, really tripped over that word. Yeah. Listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna start at the beginning here again. <laughs> Listen for the breathing too. Yes, yeah. because again, what I, the rumor is that Trump requires some sort of cognitive enhancer in order to to read the teleprompter speeches. That's the overall idea. And then when he starts going uh, off on uh, whatever is you know insanity is popping into his head. <laughs> It, it fuels that, that. The Adderall that, fuels it. Oh, I see. I th- I thought. Yeah. Okay. I thought it meant the meds were wearing off. But oh well. Yeah. Any, I mean that that could be too. That. I mean that, that's always possible. <laughs> I, but I just I think what happens is, is he gets his mouth gets ahead of him and he doesn't know how to say things. And then the other thing that you have to watch for is remember that like Adderall and some of these cognitive enhancers also provisional. Uh-huh. They amp up your heart rate. And the guy is seventy two years old and he's not in great health despite Heart's what he's like a bunny. Exactly right. Exactly right. And so he he's breathing. He's like that's where the sniffing and the breathing comes in, I think. Here's, uh-huh. Here it is from the very beginning again. Listen. But Oscar was gunned down and killed by Venezuela. So you know this very well. You all know the story. Okay, that was the first one. He's going to continue on here, and uh, he's going he's gonna to miss it again. A few weeks ago on January 23rd, Venezuela's <laughs> National Assembly... <laughs> They're risking their lives. Wait, what was that again? Mexico on January 23rd, Venezuela's <laughs> national assembly. The thing was Venezuela's. I think, I think, I, I think I've got it. I'm not, I don't, I'm not a linguistics expert, but I'm going to play one right now. <laughs> okay. I think it's a diphthong problem. I think diphthong. he has trouble with the, yeah, that's like when he, I believe, and again, not an expert, but I'm going to practice this <laughs> medicine anyway. I, I believe it's when you have two vowels together and they make, they make sort of different, but sounds or they they make yeah. together a new sound <laughs> it's the u it's the ue it's the way way part of the word that he he can't manage it he can't he can't shift vowels yeah yeah so donald trump's got a problem with his diphthongs here, here, yes absolutely here's that one again because it makes me smile a few weeks ago on january 23rd venezuela's <laughs> national assembly yeah. they are risking their lives <laughs> I love that so much. It's a diphthong problem. It's a diphthong. And then uh, he gets one more chance here. Uh, let's see if I can find this here. Uh, he, he gets one more chance, and it's a little bit better. So this is the third occasion he finally try. He finally is is almost there. He almost let's nails see. it. Yeah. Practice they are risking perfect. their lives and Venezuela's future. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's kind yeah. of on the. That's kind of on the edge right there. That's- yeah, he finally yeah, he finally got close. So there's <laughs> yeah. you gotta give him credit for improving. So, because a lot of people thought he didn't have that capability. So in a speech about Venezuela, it took him three tries to get Venezuela pronounced correctly. Unbelievable. Wait. So there Wait. you go. Venezuela's. <laughs> I don't know what that. By the way, you got to watch it, too. You got to watch the video because the first time he says it, when he goes all Brando-ish, his voice gets uh-huh. all like, a, yeah. I don't know, phlegmy or something like that. Um, there's some Again, there's something going on with his mouth when he does that. It was like the yes. Jerusalem speech where you could tell like he was, you know, trying to adjust his teeth or adjust his tongue or so. I don't know what. I don't want to sit here and think about Donald Trump's tongue, but you know, maybe he's just drowning in his own bile. Yeah, there you go. I think that's a, a, as good an explanation as any. Okay, so now, all right, Roger Stone. Roger Stone. He wanted some more good news. Here's some more what good a news. Sap. Yeah. So Roger Stone, like an idiot, uh, over the weekend posted a thing on Instagram in which he talked about. 
uh, Judge Amy Berman Jackson uh-huh, uh-huh. and how, you know, she's been using legal trickery. And the photo he used has her face and then a crosshairs in the upper left-hand corner. Yeah. And, of course, here's what he said. Through legal trickery, deep state hitman Robert Mueller has guaranteed that my upcoming show trial is before Judge Amy Berman Jackson, an Obama-appointed judge who dismissed the Benghazi charges against Hillary Clinton and incarcerated Paul Manafort prior to his conviction for any crime. Fixes in, help me fight for my life at stonedefensefund.com. And, and of course, anyone who saw this come down, we, we all said simultaneously as one voice, you're stupid, Roger Stone. I mean, you again, see kids, you see kids, Roger was already under a court order, a gag order, yes. not to uh, have uh, any more showy news conferences on the steps of the courthouse as he did mm-hmm. and then the same applied to his lawyers nor could they do this anywhere near the courthouse but she didn't keep him from talking completely she did tell him when she made this gag order uh for roger stone that uh he, she could change her mind yeah that she could make it more restrictive and so uh, fully conscious of that apparently roger stone uh, tweets a photo of uh, the judge with uh, crosshairs next to her head. <laughs> uh, so when he goes back to court, and, and oh, and then last night, urgently issuing an apology. Yep. He, he His lawyers typed up very quickly, obviously, from the number of mistakes in it. His lawyers uh, typed up very quickly, oh, this is, no, we, did, we apologize. This is not, and then Roger writes on there, too, this is not what I meant. This is, and he signs it and everything. You know, I am so sorry. This is not at all what I meant. Because now, much too late, he realizes that he has perhaps offended the judge who will decide how long he's going to prison. Yeah, well, and, you know. And, yeah, so, and and he's he's key to the collusion case. He is absolutely key to the collusion case. This is the guy, this is the guy in, in, in where the, the dominoes really start to fall. Oh, my God, yes. And I fully expect that when he's in court on Thursday, because that's what's happened, uh, Judge uh, Amy Berman Jackson has said that he's got to come into court on Thursday to, you know, <laughs> face the music when it comes to this ridiculous Instagram post. He said the uh, docket text reads like this. Uh, minute order as to Roger J. Stone Jr., Defendant is ordered to show cause at a hearing to be held on Thursday, February 21st, 2019 at 2.30 p.m. As to why the media contact order, which is the, the gag order, entered in this case and or his conditions of release should not be modified or revoked in light of the post. So that means either um, the conditions of the gag order are going to be modified or his uh-huh, the conditions certainly. of his release are going to be revoked in light of the posts on his Instagram account on or about February 18, 2019, signed by Judge Amy Berman Jackson on 2-19-19. So that's the, uh, that's the official order. So, tr- so uh, Roger Stone's going to go in there, and I fully expect Roger Stone, among many excuses, to say, well, the crosshairs weren't on her head. They were next to her head, which <laughs> means all the gun-toting right. red hats will fire next to her head, not at her head. Yeah. See? Bullets will merely whiz by, Your Honor. <laughs> God! <laughs> These people, here's what it is, Buzz. Here's the the key to understanding all of these characters, whether it's Roger Stone or Donald Trump or Donald Trump Jr., um, the whole cabal. 
See if your theory matches mine. Well, the, my theory is this, is that they keep trying to pull Fox News performance art, the kind of shenanigans <laughs> that work on Fox News Channel, on television, within the fiction of that network, and I do underscore fiction, but then when they try that Fox News performance art in the real world, and of course it doesn't hold up. Donald Trump tries it all the time with his own advisors. Say, I didn't hear that. I heard something different. Someone told me. A, someone right, else told right. me something differently. And 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 he's constantly doubting his own advisors in lieu right. of um, secretaries, uh, Ducey, oh, yeah. sec- secretaries Ducey, and, Kilmeade, and, and whoever you know. And and, he, and he's no longer shy about citing his sources. That's uh, right. You know, for these things, the threats that you said it all came from you know, Limbaugh and Hannity, and you know, I mean, he's not even shy about mentioning their. Names names anymore in fact again bizarrely bragged about them in the yeah. rose garden uh, speech the other day uh by the way i didn't get a chance to tell you so you keep flashing back to that rose okay. garden speech sure i was sitting in a lobby an office lobby mm-hmm. and i was sitting next to uh an older white man uh who i believe had on a baseball cap uh you know oh, no, no political no political affiliation mm-hmm. yeah. and uh we happened to be sitting side by side while trump was making his emergency declaration and praising Hannity and all of what he was all over the road, you know, yeah. all of that. Right. Right. And at one point the old guy leans to me and goes, really taking the bull by the horns, isn't he? Nah. And I said, yeah, now he's got to hope the bull doesn't kill him. <laughs> That's right. Well, and, then, uh, and that that was pretty much the end. Of, and, and then we agreed the world is in turmoil, and that was the end of our conversation. <laughs> so it was a, it was a pleasant exchange. That's outstanding. And that man sitting next to you was named Robert Mueller. Fantastic. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I mean, what yeah. we're observing, Buzz, is this ongoing disconnect between what Trump believes and what the rest of the world believes. I think that's. Oh, I, I think we're way ahead. I think yeah. you're behind. I think you're behind the curve on that. I think I think we've known that for a long time. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm just, it, it's, it's, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Repeating the obvious that uh, you yeah. know. When they, again, they they believe these things that they see on Fox News Channel, and they actually believe that the behavior that is exhibited on Fox News Channel is valid behavior to be exhibited in the real world, and it's not. That's why everything that Trump believes is contradicted by the facts, contradicted by his own advisors. That's why all these Trump appointees enter office um, with his stamp of approval, and then upon seeing the actual reality of the things that they're investigating. And the things mm-hmm. that they've been there's tasked that. with, mm-hmm. they go, right. oh, oh, wait a minute. There's this huge chasm between what Trump believes yeah. and what's actually real. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when you're even if you're the guy at the top, if everybody at the Justice Department, for example, and everybody around you or nearly everybody around you is saying, uh, here's the evidence. And and I mean, uh, once it's all laid out for him, it, it, it may be very hard for him to be as loyal as he had been. You can go in thinking you, oh, for example, share the same political uh, ideas as the president yeah. and and then find and i think he's uh, certainly not that any negative talk about him and all of these investigations are are strictly political and then get in and actually see the evidence and see the massive amount of evidence at yeah. this point this is a this is a huge huge case and it's like i said with with roger stone going to court uh and especially under these circumstances with Manafort facing 25 years uh, in prison, which is a life in prison unless he is pardoned, uh, that you know, and, and so it's been about all along. We've always known what a liar this president is, and and, and most of us have anyway. Yeah. Uh, and, and the question has always been, what's he going to get away with 
until we can get rid of him. Yeah. And uh, and and this goes back to some of the uh, serious concerns you stated at the top of the show about emergency order plus this plus this plus this is this a trend what's happening here is he is he doing the authoritarian thing we know he loves so much and i i just i i'm reading the balance of all this material uh, the impression i'm left with is uh our antibodies our (laughs) our nation's immune system is doing a pretty good job of keeping him in check until it can remove him yeah yeah so far so good Uh, you know uh, my only concern though is in that endeavor that we're all just going to lose our minds <laughs> the process. Yeah, well, only if we let it. Only if yeah, we let it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking just as a society, maybe not individually, but just generally speaking, I, I think it's poisonous for the president to be in our faces this many is. times over the course of the day, uh, creating these wedges between Americans based on hocus pocus and bullshit. You know, these are all things that uh, are severely damaging to, I think, the American psyche. And and, uh, and continue to be, and so that yes, all- especially in the sense that he is perhaps the most divisive president we've ever had. There, there have been division over presidents before, and some of it quite. Uh, intense, but yeah. uh, nothing that compares to this, in my view. Well, you know, speaking of divisive, I have a few things to say about Bernie Sanders, and I want everyone to hear me out before I get into it. I wanted to say here that uh, there's just please listen to what I have to say before you, if you're a Bernie <laughs> Sanders supporter, before you immediately knee jerk to I'm just a, a neoliberal shill for Hillary, and I'm so upset about 2016, et cetera, et cetera, the usual things. Just all I'm asking, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, all I'm asking is just listen for a second. And I think there's something valuable here that we all need to bear in mind, whether you're a Bernie supporter or not a Bernie supporter. Okay, so we're going to talk about that right after these words. Well, it looks like that wicked winter air is setting in. And you know how washing up in winter can leave your hands drier and Rick Perry's hooses on a Saturday night. Well, friend, fret no more. Whip your dry skin into shape with whoop-ass hand balm from Bubble Genius. Them good folks over at Bubble Genius have loaded up their whoop-ass with a whole mess of nature's goodies. Like genuine shea butter and sweet almond oil, citrus extracts, and sage, which are wonderful for healing and fixing your skin right up. This here ain't no sissy hand balm. This here's some serious stuff. So if long days out on the range are leaving your skin tighter than socks on a rooster, then it sure is time to open a can of whoop-ass. By the by, this stuff's great on rough elbows and knees, too. Hear that, Mitch McConnell? Check out the entire line of whoop-ass products, including body whip and soap, at BubbleGenius.com. Bubble Genius. Y'all suds up now, you hear? Bob Seska! This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Okay, one last segment here to go before we wrap up for the day, not including the post-mortem show. You know, I always love that commercial because I'm reminded about Rick Perry's Who's-Its. Every time we hear it, <laughs> so I got to think about Rick Perry's Who's-Its. I don't even know what his Who's-Its is. Yeah, that's, the, that's the only thing that makes it easier to think about it. That's exactly right. Okay, so... 
Bernie Sanders uh, did it today. He declared his candidacy for the uh, 2020 Democratic uh, nomination. Uh-huh. And, uh, okay, so here's the thing about Bernie Sanders. And I know everyone automatically assumes that I am uh, I am fully anti-Bernie, that I'm a Bernie hater, that I'm a neoliberal shill, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because of what I was saying in 2016. Well, I want to be clear about what I said in 2016, which was almost nothing about Bernie Sanders. I mean, I I famously sat here on this show and remained almost entirely ambivalent about whether Hillary should get the nomination or Bernie Sanders. I did, on a couple of occasions, vocally criticize Bernie Sanders. And I'll tell you exactly what I said at the time and what I continue to believe, which is that Bernie Sanders is right on many, many issues. I believe that there should be universal health care. I think we should have some sort of Medicare for all. I think college education should be more affordable, if not free. I believe that there should be more income equality. I think the middle class needs a boost. I think the upper uh, wealthiest 1% need additional taxes applied to their wealth so that this income inequality will begin to recede a little bit and become more equal. I think that's all These are all fair policies that I think are achievable uh, uh, by a Democratic president coming uh, coming up in the the next uh, presidential term. But I do think that in the process of achieving that nomination, I do think, and this is what I believe in 2016, and this is what I believe today, that Bernie Sanders is an intentionally divisive character who, if nothing else, provides talking points for Donald Trump. And by talking points for Donald Trump, what I mean and what I'm concerned about is when Bernie Sanders criticizes the other Democrats using language that Donald Trump can very easily co-opt in the general election and say, look at even Democrat Bernie Sanders says these other people are crazy, damaging for the country, and they're going to make America worse, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and that is not good. He did that in 2016. The whole rigged election thing was co-opted by Donald Trump in the general election, uh, which we heard over and over again. Bernie Sanders started the rigged election business, the rigged system business that Donald Trump has wow. turned into one of the central prongs of, uh, of his campaign or did in uh, 2016. And he's going to do it again. And so, you know, my concern is even in Bernie's announcement today, He was already being divisive. He was already providing talking points for pro-Trump conservatives about identity politics. And we all know that that subject is a sore one uh, across the board, whether it's you're a Republican and you hate identity politics, or if you're a Democrat and you're like, there really are no identity politics here. We're just talking about uh, making sure our representation in in Washington is uh, reflective of the population of this country whether it's women, whether it's minorities, or what have you. So Bernie Sanders kicks off his campaign for 2020 by talking about how, oh, he's not all about the identity politics. He thinks that people should make decisions not based on whether or not you're a woman or whether or not you're an African-American, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But in the context of who's running in the Democratic field, it's immediately targeting them to be discredited for who they are. You know, which is which is wrong. And someone's calling me. I think, oh, my God, it's Bernie Sanders. I'm, I'm, I knew I'm it would be. I knew he'd be calling. <laughs> Bernie, hello. Um, so that's what I have to say at this point. I think that if he is going to run and if he is going to receive support from Democrats who, you know, he's not even he's not even a member of the party. 
But if he's going to receive support, I think it should be predicated on not dividing the party, not dividing the field of candidates, not being this wedge where Donald Trump can just waltz through the gap created by the wedge. You know what I mean? That's my those I are do. my thoughts upon Bernie Sanders announcement. Now, Mr. Burbank. <laughs> well, gosh, I didn't have time to prepare. Um, no, I actually I have given it some thought. And, yeah. and the first I guess my first reaction to what you've just said is uh, it, maybe it's uh, still a little early to call out Bernie Sanders, and I'm not, uh, you know, a, a big supporter. I'll say this up front, and I know you feel this way too. Yeah, I'm, I'm enthusiastically supporting whoever the Democratic nominee yes, is. Yes, precisely. Uh, because I want to make sure that by some fluke or narrow margin that Donald Trump isn't elected again. I don't think he will be, even if we screw up. But uh, and and I don't know how much uh, cutting up uh, can be done of of between candidates. I mean, we will see, obviously, and there will be things, no doubt. But uh, a lot of the candidates have adopted the philosophies of Bernie Sanders. Yeah, uh, I don't think he, see, in a way, when the choice was between him and Hillary. He was the, ironically, the fresh young face. He was uh, demographically. He yeah. was he was the younger candidate. Mm. Um, that ain't so this time. A lot of things have changed over these. Will have changed over these four years. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. You know. So I don't know how much of a threat he is. I I'm really taking a wait and see attitude on all the candidates. Because for me, doesn't it? Well, for me, it gets down to, uh, you know, who who's going to be the Democratic nominee? Because that's that's who I'm going to support. But yeah. uh, obviously, I will develop over time my favorites, and I will determine them by how they all run the race. And we're we're not they're not even all out of the gate yet. Uh, many a ten of them are, uh, but but they're not all out yet. And and the race hasn't actually begun they have ambled out of the gate at this point yeah uh as the race heats up uh i'll be eager to see how each of them performs uh i think it's a wonderful incredible field of candidates i i i'll be interested to see how much if any actual sniping goes on i know that there will be competition and there will be debates uh and things will uh, occasionally get said and uh, you know preferences will be uh, will arise about a person's age or experience or lack thereof or uh, their single-mindedness versus having a broader approach to things. Uh, and, and these are the things that, that the voters will, will look at. We kind of know who voters' favorite is already. Yeah. It's not Sanders. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't I, – I think we need to keep an eye on him because of his potential for repeating his division – of 2016, but I don't think he has as much potential for it as he had in 2016. So uh, we, we absolutely need to keep an eye on him uh, for past performance, uh, but uh, I also think a lot of things have changed for Bernie, 
And uh, this is a very different race than 2016. Well, here's my concern is that any pledge to support the nominee, no matter who he or she happens to be, and and that's, of course, specifically referencing Bernie. Bernie Sanders ends up being the nominee. I Uh, suppose I will vote for him. I mean, you know, there there are still many things to be said and done before that point rolls around. Right. Uh, right. But uh, sitting here, you know, early, early, early in the process, it seems like, uh, you know, a reason reasonable thing to uh, to forecast but my concern is that the bernie sanders campaign is so heavily predicated on the notion of accusing the democrats of either being too moderate or too uh, too or centrist or, or too uh, in the pocket of uh, you know a yeah, big wall yeah, street yeah. or it's you know, the usual purity test, purity purity test, test all the right. purity test shit which means that um, and then you have to combine that, that, you know, that notion that this is if you're a Bernie Sanders supporter, you believe that these Democrats are in some way corrupt. And then on top of that, the idea that Bernie Sanders, I believe Bernie Sanders 2020 campaign is going to be a case of diminishing returns. I believe that Bernie Sanders carried a lot of people going into 2016 because he, as you said, he was the fresh new face. <laughs> strangely enough. Isn't that fun to say? Yeah. Yeah. Believe it or not. But I, the fact is, is that he had a lot of people on board at that point yes, in time. A lot enthusiastic of, people. Yeah, yes. exactly. A lot of first-timers, too. And I think now, fast forward another couple of years, and I think he's disillusioned a lot of those people. I think a lot of those well, people have dropped off. And again, I'm just saying, I'm, this is anecdotal. This is anecdotal yeah. on my behalf. I'm saying that... Yeah, I, I, I think it's a different race. Uh, there were there were Democratic voters who did not want to vote for Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And uh, so they voted for Bernie Sanders in the primary. And when mm-hmm. they didn't get their way... And the general, they voted for Trump yeah. because they didn't want Hillary Clinton. It really got down to that. I mean, that's part of it. Obviously, there was Russian interference and voter suppression, and mm-hmm. and now I'll talk sing song like Trump. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thank but you. There were the, there were those things, uh, but but you know, it, it a lot of it was that, and uh, mm-hmm. some of that was manipulated, but but that was a lot of it. Yeah. Well, my concern is that if and when he doesn't end up getting the nomination, that all of his remaining supporters will say, fuck you, we're supporting uh, Howard Schultz or Jill Stein or whatever other third party. And and he's he's also got more baggage. I mean, it just depends, like you said, on on how much support he has. We certainly know their level of enthusiasm and in their defense. And I won't say a lot in their defense, but I, I sort of get where they're coming from. And I liked Bernie at first, you know, when, but later I realized I thought he was, at least to me, uh, too much of a one note candidate. He yeah. says he won't be as much so this time. I'll be interested to see. But we'll, uh, you know, I, so I'm giving everybody the benefit of the doubt uh, among the Democratic hopefuls so far. Yeah. Uh, and just to see how they perform. And in the end, I'm going to back the winner. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, obviously if, if a Republican came along, I guess I would consider him, but I'm, Always a little. I'll certainly be more skeptical of them than I would be of Bernie. Yeah. And I, I wanted to say, in defense of his supporters, as I started to say that uh, they they have a, a little bit right, a little bit of a right to be bitter, to feel bitter, uh, because in some ways the democratic system was rigged. That has since been, I believe, repaired. Uh, with a, a lot of major changes made uh, by the Democratic National Committee, mm-hmm. and I, I think it will be a more level playing field. I think. Uh, in some ways, Bernie's uh, difficulties with the DNC uh, have have made things easier for others like him in the future. 
but Bernie is not the is not the fresh alternative at this point. It's it's a much different race. Uh, we'll just like I said, I'm going to sit back and watch the horses and uh, see how they do. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, going back to the rig thing, I mean, not only was he providing a convenient talking point for Donald Trump or whoever the, at the time true, the, the eventual nominee could have been. True, true. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's my theory, and I think this is an educated theory, that uh, Bernie Sanders was not preparing to actually win the nomination early on. And then he discovered, oh, my God, look what's happening. I need to hustle up and, and prepare to Maybe. win. And, yeah. and, and where that was problematic for Bernie Sanders is that uh, long prior to actually throwing her, her hat in the ring, Hillary Clinton was doing what any Democrat does in advance of a primary campaign, schmoozing the superdelegates, you know, talking to the superdelegates, getting, getting a base of support organized among party leadership, etc. The normal things that any Democratic candidate who has hopes to win will actually go forward and do. Bernie Sanders, on the other hand, didn't prepare for that because he didn't have a campaign that was geared toward actually winning the nomination. Bernie and you know Sanders what? Is- one of the reasons one of the reasons for that I think is because he isn't a Democrat, and yeah. that that would be something I would personally want to require of him if yeah. he's going to run. I mean, he ran as a Democrat last time, mm-hmm. but it, uh, get off the fence, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That that disturbs me. I think. I think that, that the game is up on that. Yeah. And, and I, I think it's time for him to, to call himself what he is or what he isn't uh, so that we can be very, very clear on that. Well, the, the, the idea of the Democratic Party being rigged against Bernie Sanders, while there was discussion inside the party about mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders being an upstart. They and had, some systemic things. Well, yeah. The, well, there, there are certain things that you have to do, uh, as I was saying before, certain things you have to do as a, a Democrat preparing to run for president that he didn't do. And when what he did, it was revised that lack of preparation by calling it oh, the Democratic Party is rigged against me because of the superdelegates or because of X, Y, and Z. Because Basically, yeah, in, in reality, basically because he didn't do the preparation within the party before it, actually running for president. It is disturbingly Trumpian that he fired up his base that way. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. So, I mean, again, you know, let me tell you this. <laughs> let me say, I tell you this. I mean, suddenly I'm oh, becoming... Oh, that's going to be a... It's going to be a nice transition for me, please. Okay. Well, let me tell you this. I My approach with Bernie Sanders, I pledge to you that I will try to be as fair as I possibly can I know. when it comes to discussing. And it's not just to you, Buzz. It's to, obviously, any Bernie supporters who listen to this I show. Right. I, I am going to try to be fair and, and as even-keeled as I can be. Um, about his campaign, and I and I pledge to you that um, there may be, you know, criticism. I'm, I'm a hu- individual, exactly, and for I individual am, things, right? As there will be for others, I'm sure. And I am a human being, so there are occasions in which I may lose my temper, especially if he commits these cardinal sins of you, providing you know talking a, points for Trump. But you know, you know what a hothead Bob is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's you know. Speaking of hotheads, let's. I, I know you got I a theory. A you've got a Nixon theory here. That uh, yeah, I I do. And this is kind of interesting. Um, Trump obviously, and you mentioned this at the top of the show, he yeah. is doing this emergency wall thing to mm-hmm. gin up his base. Uh, and and what he doesn't realize is it's not going to help him. Uh, and, 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 the, and I don't know if you've seen this one too. I know you saw the, the other poll. The Washington Post has published the results of a Maris poll for NPR and the PBS NewsHour, and it found that Trump supporters and Republicans 
do overwhelmingly side with him on the emergency declaration. And everybody worries about that the, the, the strength of that number. Greg Sargent of the Washington Post writes of this, but those people aren't enough to win re-election for Trump. The question is whether he can duplicate his 2016 Electoral College hat trick by dramatically energizing non-college whites again and by winning independents and others who decide they don't like either candidate, as Trump did in 2016. Among those groups, the poll finds surprising levels of opposition. Large majorities of independents tilt against Trump on these questions. And here we go. This is the good part. Non-college educated whites disapprove of the emergency declaration by a 10-point margin. Wow. 53 to 43. They lean slightly against the idea that there's even any emergency at all. Hmm. That's 49 to 47. And even marginally say that it makes them less likely to vote for Trump next year. These are Trump supporters, a key to his base, a key demographic in his base, saying uh, by a five-point margin they won't vote for him again. And then there are the tax returns and, and the rest of it. Uh, it. When Richard Nixon was beginning to suffer the effects of Watergate uh, and, and we were toward, uh, we were in, still involved in, the, in Vietnam, uh, as part of his reelection, he and Henry Kissinger went about saying, peace is at hand. Peace <laughs> is at hand. And, uh, you know, and in other words, the shorthand for if you reelect me, mm-hmm. we will end this long war that has divided this nation for 15 years uh, at least. Uh, we will finally end that and we'll end the bloodshed and all that o- only if you reelect us. Mm-hmm. And this was as Watergate was closing in on on Nixon. Yeah. Uh, and and you, you, the difference is uh, Trump doesn't even have anything as good as peace to offer. Yeah. Uh, it, what he has is a wall that is supported by a shrinking minority. I mean, it's you can see it shrinking now with the, the like the tax refunds and and it, despite that being to some degree a misunderstanding on people's <laughs> part, uh, it it's 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 hurting him politically and and so is. Uh, so is his opposition to the Mueller probe, and yeah. uh, so is his emergency declaration. And it's just, it's what he has left is withering on the vine and dying. So uh, it, despite his peace at is at hand uh, efforts here, uh, he's he's losing his base. And uh, so uh, I guess as people have predicted ahead of me, uh, he, he won't be reelected in 2020. Uh, so that would be the latest date. I still yeah. have... Faith and hope, because of his craziness, because of his love of dictatorships, I I, I still have this crazy hope that uh, SDNY or the Mueller probe or congressional investigation will uh, somehow bring him down beforehand. I was fantasizing again this morning about uh, some officials going to the president, prosecutors going to the president and saying, listen, no jail for you if you'll just resign and stay out of public life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'd almost trade for that. Well, you know, once again, this is a case where Donald Trump is trying to apply Fox News performance art to the real world, and he's failing yeah. at doing that because what he's right. doing is he's failing. Yeah, because Fox News will just say shit that they that the producers there and that the upper executives have to, you know, the right. agendas that they have, and so they'll and they'll go about things. It. Yeah, again, from they know, an, they know they're preparing his 
his briefing. Exactly right. It's it's from an entertainment point of view that they're presenting these ideas, like declare an emergency declaration, build the wall, et cetera, et cetera. The fact is, though, that you have a very large cross-section of Republican voters who don't want to see expanded executive authority. They want, right. they want limited government. And Republican lawmakers who feel the same way, who, right. are, who also see uh, this emergency declaration as overreach. Exactly. Because what they see is they see a Democratic Party that is more than willing to maybe do the same thing in order to fix the climate crisis or well, to fix health care. You know, just, between, just between us girls. <laughs> that's not, that's, you know, that I don't think Democrats would really do that, but it's fun throwing that at yeah. them, and it does make them think twice. We cannot allow our nation to slide into that. We can't lower ourselves to that game. We must not, if yeah. we truly love democracy, as many of us are saying we do, uh, you, you, you just can't go that way. That's not how it's supposed to work. Uh, spending is decided by Congress. Yep. It does, but, it, but it's important that uh, the point be made that this establishes that precedent. It certainly makes it possible for a Democratic president to declare an emergency. Uh, gun violence up 20% over the last 10 years. Uh, immigration, uh, illegal immigration down 20%, which is the emergency. Yep. There you go. Well, you know, uh, this should be fascinating to watch if this moves forward in time. I mean, we were sure. talking about Lawrence O'Donnell the other night, Buzz, who uh, said, right. you know, look, sometimes with these building projects, it takes two years just to break ground on them. Oh, so, yeah, and he's got lawsuits to hurt. Oh, my God, yeah. this is never going to happen. It's yeah. never going to happen. He's he's never going to build wall, but he's never going to relinquish these new powers. That he, right, uh, and, and, never stop, and he'll never stop campaigning for 2020 on the wall that's going to fail him. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, but I'm I'm still deeply concerned about what he's going to do with these powers, and he seems to be hinting at some rather uh, dictatorial things. So we're going to well, wait and you, see. you and I are watching, but people far more influential than you and I are also watching. I don't think he'll get far. Well, we got the postmortem show coming up next. We've uh, gone long today. Notify the affiliates. Uh, but still uh, more more things to talk about, of course, uh, specifically about some of these lawsuits being filed against Trump uh, regarding uh-huh. wall, regarding the emergency declaration. Uh, oh, yeah. Plus, man, there's something going on with Saudi Arabia and nuclear technology and the Trump administration. We'll talk yes. about that, too. Plus, uh, Facebook asked me for feedback today, opened up Facebook, and there was a little window that said, hey, tell us how you think we're doing. And I told them exactly how I thought they're doing, which is fucking awful. And so I'll, I'll read you my uh, my little uh, review that I sent into them today and a, a rather disturbing news story that connects to all of that. So okay. yeah. fun, lots of fun. Make sure to go to our Patreon page. Again, bobseskashow.com. That's all you got to remember. Or just click the all caps Patreon link at bobseska.com. It'll take you to our Patreon page where you can support this fully independent podcast where we do all the things ourselves, all the things, even the logo. I design all the logos and maintain the website and do all the IT crap and and uh, I'm my own producer, I run my own board. There's no one else here except for Buzz, and we do our best. And so please help us uh, keep the show going by supporting our Patreon page. Sign up for $5 a month, and that'll get you the post-mortem show. Meanwhile, go to buzzburbank.com, also realmnetwork.com for Buzz Burbank news and comment. It's every Thursday. It's the best hour of news you're going to get all week, and you can listen to it in your car, damn it. 
to go forward, go do that. And uh, we thank you in advance. That is the show for today. We will see you again tomorrow, Wednesday. I'm talking to Drift Glass and Blue Gal from the Professional Left Podcast on the interview show. We'll see you over there, folks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.